0: We're in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 22. And just let's just run in sound tonight is DJ Paul. So let's give it up for DJ Paul. And then running slides tonight, for the first time with us at least, is Miss Hannah. So can we thank Hannah for bringing the heat? Proud of you. Proud of you, girl! All right, 1 John fifteen through 20, or 1 John 2, 15 to 22. So let me read 15 through 17, and then we'll talk for a little while, all right? 1 John chapter 2. We're going to go 15 through 17. Here we go. Take it away, Hannah. There we go. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, is not from the Father but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Okay, so again, for those of you who maybe are new or jumping back in with us, we are just going to take a book of the Bible, and we're going to go through it a few verses at a time each week, right? This revolutionary concept that has only been happening for 2,000 years. So we're going to hop in here. So first of all, this is important. A couple weeks ago, when Brian preached, he preached on the first half of, John, of 1 John chapter 2. Okay, the first half of the chapter. The first half of chapter 2, So this is super important, so hang with me. The first half of chapter 2 focuses on what we are supposed to love, the positive. Does that make sense? What we're supposed to love. We're supposed to love God, and we're supposed to love neighbor. The second half of chapter 2, for tonight, focuses on what we are not to love, namely this world and the things in it. Okay. Now, right off the bat, before I've even gotten into the Bible, we can already see something here. Okay? We can see more about the nature of what love is. Listen, so the first half of John chapter two, uh, 1 John 2 is what we love. The second half is what we're not supposed to love, which means love means embracing some things and rejecting others. Okay? That's what love actually is. It means embracing some things and at the same time rejecting others. Because if you can't do that, then it's not actual love. Let me give you an example. If you love breathing air, okay, I know it's a divided time, but maybe we can all kind of come together one time. Like, we, we, like if you love breathing air, then by definition, if you love breathing air, like breathing air, oh, it's awesome. I just do it all the time. Like, if, I don't even have to think about it, and I could do it. Like, if breathing air is your thing, then you have to be against the belief that we don't need air, does that make sense? Like, if you believe, like, "Hey, we need air to survive," that's great. You're right. Then, by nature, you need to be against the idea that we don't need air to survive. Because here's why this is important. I'll give you another example that's a little bit less weird. So, um, but w- there's a phrase that goes around in Christianity a lot, and maybe you guys have heard this before. We need to quit talking about what we're against, and we need to start talking about what we're for. Okay? Maybe you've heard that in Christianity. Something we need to stop talking about what we're against and start talking about what we're for. And that's true. And I understand the heart behind that in terms of we need to stop you know, being Debbie Downers all the time and being angry all the time. That's true. But to be for something means that you're naturally going to be against whatever threatens that thing. Does that make sense? Let me give you another example. My dad, so Skip Matherly, loves uh, me. My sister, my brother... Uh, and his wife, and Duke basketball. Oh, that's my mom. Sorry, and Duke basketball, and that's like pretty much it. Cool. Like if he's got that, then and we're doing well, he's good. Okay, he loves his family well in like fourth grade because of whatever fourth grade was at the school that I went to which was Bellwood and Calhoun is when you start had you had to start changing in the locker rooms for PE remember how fun that was figuring that out Um, and some kid like my brother had to start changing and some kids were making fun of him and my dad found out that kids were making fun of his youngest son and I thought my dad was going to pin those kids to the wall and pull their teeth out in front of their parents. Like he was so mad. Does that make sense? Now, it might be easy for you to be like, oh, well, for him to be so angry at those kids, well, that's not very loving. That's not very loving. But what's ironic about that, about saying that's not very loving? It, it is really loving. It shows him being so against those kids making fun of my brother shows how much he actually loves my brother. I wrote this in bold. Because to love something is to be against the things that threaten it. To love something means to be against the things that threaten it. Okay, By definition, if you love something, if you seek to follow something, if you love Jesus and want to follow Jesus, then by definition it's going to push back. Do you have to be against the things that threaten that belief? Does that make sense? So look at 1 John 2:15. 1 John 2:15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Do not love the world. Now this sounds weird, right? Like are we not supposed to love creation? Like we can't we can't, don't love the world. So you can't love a good movie? You can't love Braves baseball. The Braves are awesome, right? You can't love Target. Target is awesome, right? We can't, white girls in the room, right? We can't love, you can't love a good book. Like, that. that what if the book's not about Jesus? You can't love it. You can't love that book. I don't know any of you guys like love books yet, but it'll happen. So like, we are, we're, so, so help me finish this sentence. Do you know this sentence? We are to be in the world, but not what? Yeah, good. Look at you guys. We are to be in the world, but not of the world, okay? In John 17, Jesus says of his followers, They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Now, don't be of the world. Does this mean that we're supposed to pull ourselves out of society and like isolate ourselves from everybody? Absolutely not, because that's what Jesus, Jesus is the most Christian person who ever lived, and he was in the mix with people all the time. He didn't hide away from people. And, and listen, you, it's not about where you are, it's about what you love, okay? Being in the world, not of the world. Well, I don't want to love the world, so I'm just going to hide away in a monastery for the rest of my life. But you can hide away in a monastery on your own and still have bitter thoughts, and still look at stuff you're not supposed to look at on your phone. You, you may be out of the world, but you're still in love with it. Does that make sense? You may be out of the world, but you're still of the world. So when it comes to not loving the world, it's not about where you are. It's about what you love. Look at verse 16. Look at verse 16. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Sorry. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh the desires of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. So notice when it talks to us about what is in the world, it doesn't talk to us about the stuff out there. These things are inside of us. Did you catch that? Look at 16 again. Look at 16 again. For all that is in the world, and you expect like trees and bushes and like cars and whatever no for all this in the world the desires of the flesh the desires of the eyes the pride of life these desires are things that are inside of us these things that John is saying look out for this it's not stuff out there okay and, and, and now it's good to be aware of the things going on, but John is more concerned with this stuff inside of us, our own desires. First of all, the desire of the flesh, the desires of people, the things that we want, lust, gluttony, quick to anger all the time. these It's not about the things out there that we're trying to fight, it's the things in here. The desire of our eyes, right? Now our sinful desires start from within, And we see things in the world that might satisfy those sinful desires. Your lust can start in your own soul and be fueled by what you see on your phone or on TV, what you go looking for. Your anger in your heart can be fueled when you get on social media and look for people who just set you off, right? So these things in the world are inside and outside. And this is the last one, the pride of life. The desire to feel cool, okay? The desire to be the most looked-at person in the room. This is a desire that will separate you from God so quickly, okay? And this is super important because we say all the time, and you think it and your parents might think it and we think it, we say all the time, man, the pride of life. If Christianity could just get a cool person to become Christian, if Christianity could just get a famous person to become Christian, if Christianity could just get a president to become Christian, then everyone will come on board to Christianity. And Christians are desperate for this. You remember like two years ago when for like 15 minutes Kanye West thought he was a Christian? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like all the Christians on, in the world were like, oh my gosh, we got Kanye. Like, like freaking out. And like my generation was obsessed with Tim Tebow because he can win and he's attractive and up. Uh, And he's a Christian. Oh my gosh. And like we're so desperate to get cool people into Christianity because we think that that's what's going to get people to become Christian. But listen, here's the problem with the pride of life. Here's the problem with wanting to be cool. Listen, when you're cool, being with the least of these is the last thing you'll want to do. When you're cool, being with the least of these is the last thing you'll want to do. Now, I'm sure that King David was cool, okay? He's a good-looking guy. He killed a lion at like 14. What did you do at 14? Like, he killed a lion at 14. Like, I'm sure he's a pretty cool guy. Listen, it's okay to to be cool. Like, don't feel bad if you're popular, if you're doing, well, things are going pretty well. Like, you don't have to feel guilty about that. But listen, but to love the spirit of being cool puts you directly against What God wants you to do. Does that make sense? There's nothing wrong with being cool, but to fall in love with the spirit of being cool, meaning I won't associate with these people because that will lower my status. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's so easy to fall into that trap, right? It's so easy to fall into that trap. And that's something that we as Christians have to be aware of, that the rest of the world. Just naturally floats along. Like have you ever been in a lazy river? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like you just get in your floaty and you just go. Like that's what the world does. They just go. As Christians, it's okay to enjoy the lazy river sometimes, but we have to be aware of when maybe our desire to be cool is starting to pull us away from the people that God wants to talk to that Jesus would want to talk to. Does that make sense? Like, we have to be aware of that. Listen, listen to me. There's nothing cool about washing people's feet. There's nothing cool about washing people's feet, which is, which is why, you remember, you remember in the Bible, Church Kids of the World Unite, you remember when, when Jesus is washing the disciples' feet and Peter tells them to stop, okay? Peter tells them to stop. Do you know Why? Because the pride of life is why. The spirit of being cool is why. Because Peter is saying, look, man, you're never going to get a following by doing stuff like this. Cool people don't do this. Kings don't wash people's feet. Influencers don't wash people's feet. You're never going to get a following like this. You can't go on a cross and die. You know how embarrassing? Like, like No one's going to follow you after that. And what does P- Jesus say to Peter? get behind me. What does he call him? Get behind me. Satan. Like that's that's a little heavy, right? Like I get mad at some of you guys sometimes, but I'm not going to call you. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not going to go there. And Jesus is like, "Look, look, look, because that's what the spirit of being cool, of wanting to be cool, of pursuing influence, that's what it does to you. It turns you against wanting the things that God wants, and loving the things that God loves, and valuing the things that God values. Let's, let's talk about dating for like two seconds, okay? And now everybody's like, oh, okay, I'll listen for a minute. So like, here's what happens sometimes though, and this happens in Christian relationships all the time, okay? Now, I'm a little bit dated, so just hang with me, okay? But like my generation, like all the like Christian girls or whatever, like Tebow was the guy, He needs to look like Tebow or like primetime Channing Tatum with like a Bible open. Do you know what I mean? And like he just needed to be like super cool and like that guy. But there were all these really good Christian guys that wanted to date these really good Christian girls. And either the guys didn't have time for the girls because they weren't attractive enough. Or the girls didn't have time for the guys because they weren't attractive enough. The personality was there. The walk with Christ was there. But they just quite, like, he's got an eight pack. Do you have an eight pack? No. Okay, sorry. Like, you know, what I mean? like, it was just one of those things. And it was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like, like and it just happened over and over and over again. And you watch how it's this desire for, to be cool. It's this pride of life that costs us real friendships sometimes and real relationships. Friends who you know would never back out on you, but they're just not quite elevating your status to where... Your status could be if you didn't hang out with it. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is just something to be aware of, okay? This is something to be aware of. Just go home and be like, Mom, I gotta have it. I need an eight-pack. I don't know what an eight-pack is, but I need it. All right, here we go. So you cannot give yourself over like again, you don't have to, you know, so when it says do not love the world, do not love the world, it doesn't mean that you have to hate movies or like get on a roller coaster and like like not not enjoy. Well, does that make sense? Like, it doesn't mean that. But to, listen, listen, but to give yourself over to that, that's what he's talking about. It's okay to be cool. It's okay to have fun. It's okay to, to, to want those things. But to want them above everything else, to want to be cool so much that you don't want to talk to those who can't, you remember in the book, well, you may not, but whatever. In the book of James, it says, true religion is loving the widow and the orphan, Okay? Loving the widow and the orphan. Why point those two people out of all the people that we're supposed to love? Because the widow and the orphan are the two people that when you give to them, they can't give back to you. Does that make sense? They can't contribute, like like usually in our relationships, it's like, I'll be friends with you because I get this out of it, right? Or, Or I'll be here because I get this out of it. But the widow and the orphan, to give to them, you don't get anything back. In fact, you lose some things, right? That's the mentality that the Christian needs to have towards other people. Okay. Do not love the world. Don't let it carry you away. And notice also in 16, in 16, for all that is in the world, the, the, is it up there? For all that is in the world, the, uh, Brock Dillard, can you finish this sentence for just the word? For all that is in the world, the, what's that D word? Desire. The desires. Okay. Leave it right there. Desire to, it's in twice in this verse, now listen, to desire means to what? If you desire something, you what? You want yeah, look at you guys. You want it, right? Now listen, listen. John is telling, now this is huge. John is telling us to avoid these desires, which means, which means, which means you and I can want things that are bad sometimes, Does that make sense? Like you can, or maybe a lot of times, you and I we desire bad things. And I know it's like, okay Ryan, thank you for breaking that down. What does that matter? Because listen, our culture and maybe like the stuff maybe you kind of think this too. Our culture says if it's a sin then why do I want it? Like if it was bad for me then I wouldn't want this. Does that make sense? If it was something that was wrong then i wouldn't be born wanting this ryan if it's something that's sinful then why do i want it like we think the fact that we want it like erases out the fact that it's bad if i didn't want it then i know it's a sin but if i want it it can't be bad but yes it can according to john you and i are wired to love okay we're wired to want things. We are. It's part of human nature. We're wired to love, but in this sinful world, you and I are broken, and we can love wrong things. The the litmus test for whether or not this is a good thing cannot just be how you feel about it. That's important. Your feelings are good, and they're helpful, but your feelings are like a compass, right? Your life is the ship. You can't sail on the compass. The compass is a tool. It's not the actual thing you travel on, Okay? God has to, and this is huge, God has to reorder our loves when he saves us. He reorders our desires when he saves us. The things we used to love are not as strong. That's the incredible thing Jesus does. He changes, listen, being a Christian is stop doing the bad stuff and start doing the good stuff. Well, yeah, there's some of that in there, but it goes way deep. You can fake that. You can, look, come on, church kids. You can fake that. Okay? Right? But to be rewired to the fact that not only do you not do this thing anymore, but you don't actually want to do it as much anymore. That's salvation. That's the new birth. That's being born again. Not just your behavior gets rewired, but your desires. Notice John doesn't really say here in 16, don't do these things. He says, don't desire these things. That's different. And it sounds like, okay, Ryan, well, thanks for telling me that, but that's like ridiculously impossible. Yes, it is, which is why we're here in church. Like we could just meet at the YMCA or at your school if it was just about me trying to, you know how good a TED talk I would? I would give such a good TED talk. I would crush it. But like, that's not why we're here. Like I'm here to show you that your rope can only go so far and Jesus has to step in and by God's grace he will he can change the things you desire not just the things that you do all right 18 through 22 hannah 18 through 22 here we go children ah uh-huh, you guys children it is the last hour and you have heard that antichrist uh-oh is coming so now many antichrists have come therefore we know that it is the last hour We'll stop right there. Okay, let's talk about the Antichrist for a minute, all right? Like, I can't right, wait for, like, the minivan ride on the way home. Like, what did you guys talk about? The Antichrist. Okay, quick Parker Campbell story. Do you guys know this story? Um, like, years ago, I was preaching one time through Revelation, and uh, do you remember this? And uh, I was, like, we were talking about the Antichrist for, like, half a second. Parker Campbell's in sixth grade. I don't know him. At all. He's just here. And I was like, hey, you know, some people believe that, and I I don't believe any of these, but I'm just giving you examples. Like, some people believe that, like, Nero was the Antichrist, and Ronald Reagan was the Antichrist, and Elvis was the Antichrist, and Oprah was the Antichrist. And when I said Oprah was the Antichrist, Parker Campbell goes (laughs) and starts clapping. For uh, this, like, sixth grade kid in the back was like, oh, Oprah, got him. Like, being the, the Antichrist. So let's talk about the Antichrist for a minute. John says, can you put 18 up there, Hannah? John says that we are in the last hour, okay, the last hour twice in this verse. It is the last hour, present tense. Now, this is super important, okay. According to the Bible, okay, hold on. Okay. All right. Not the left behind books. Cool. Okay. Like 80, you know what that is. And that's probably okay. But like, according to not the left behind books, not your granddad's like left behind chart on the wall for the rapture or whatever, but no, 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 let's hold on. According to the Bible, that's what we use. The last days. Okay. The last days is the church age, the age of the church, you and me, the age of, of the church we are in the last days and I don't mean that in some weird like megaphone crazy man way I'm saying Jesus has gone into heaven and now all that's left for him to do is what? is come back does that make sense? so if all that's left to do is for Jesus to come back then we are in and have been in the last days today we're closer than we were yesterday and while we wait we are not looking for one specific antichrist did you see that in in the next verse And by the way, the word antichrist is never used in Revelation. Never. It's not in there. Which should tell us something about the end times. And Revelation was also written by John. But John doesn't use the word antichrist in Revelation when talking about the end times. He uses it here in 1 John when he's talking about the church standing firm. Which applies to you and me right now. Look at verse 22. Look at 22 and when I get there we'll read it. Here it is. Who is the liar but he who denies Jesus Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. The one who denies Jesus is literally and or the Antichrist, literally right, to deny Christ. Follow me. Any agenda, okay? any agenda that puts the things of the world above the things of God any agenda that is anti-God is an agenda that is anti-Christian. Does that make sense? People in church who preach that you don't need Jesus because God saves everybody. People who are militant extremists who hate Christians People who try to pass legislation that destroys marriages and hurts children. People who are abusive and cover up abuse. Any agenda that pushes the things of the world before the things of God is an anti-Christian agenda led by anti-Christs. Does that make sense? Anything, which means that we can fall into this category. Okay? You and me. Anytime we push something... See, this isn't something that you can just tune out because like, we don't have to worry about it for a thousand years or whatever. This is happening now. This makes the Bible relevant to us right now. Think about the things that you value most in your life. The things that without them, life would have no meaning. Or life wouldn't matter as much. Or life wouldn't be as good. Is Jesus... In that area, is Jesus at the top of that list? Is he on that list? For real. Do some do some thinking in the minivan on the way home, right? Like your mom's looking, you're just like looking out the window, like thinking about. All right, here we go. 19 and 20, and then we're almost done. 19 and 20. You guys have done such a good job. They, you're welcome. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us. They would have continued with us, but they went out, that it might become plain that they are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have all knowledge. Okay. They like they was they was with us, and now they're not with us, right? John is telling, listen, this is this is important, okay? John is telling us those who fade away from the faith were never truly converted to begin with. Those who fade away from the faith were never truly converted to begin with. You ever get, like, this is our merchie, so I'm just going to try it. Like, you ever get, like, concrete poured or whatever, right? And it's supposed to last you for, like, 10 or 15 or 20 years, but, like, a year in, it's all, like, faded and cracked. And you find out that it wasn't actual concrete. It was just some sort of, sort of like, synthetic blend. Does that make sense? Just hang with, yeah. I, yeah. Our merchie kid's are like, oh, last week, man. It's great. I was pouring it last week. Um... Listen, and I, and I know that like, you, know, you probably know concrete better than me or whatever, but like, don't get weird about it. But just listen, you can tell it's not the real thing because it doesn't last. Okay? You can tell it's not the real thing because it doesn't last. One of my favorite preacher teachers is a guy named Francis Chan, who is awesome. And Francis Chan spoke at a youth rally like a bunch of years ago, like at a Collide or something. And like a bajillion, it, it's Collide, it's so, like a bajillion kids came forward. And they're like crying and, you know, it's, a, it's heavy, it's intense. And one of his interns that night was like, man, that was so cool. So many people came forward. I wonder how many of them it was real for, you know? I wonder for how many of them was it real? And Francis Chan said, we'll see in a year. We'll see in a year. Now, why does he say that? Because you can tell it's not the real thing because it doesn't last. If they, it, it, the reason the concrete didn't last is because it wasn't real concrete to begin with. Do you see what I'm saying? And that's what's happening here in the church that John's dealing with, and this is so important. To be a Christian, okay, to be a Christian is to continue in Christianity. I can show you my granddad's birth certificate. Does that make sense? Proof that my granddad was born. My granddad passed away when I was a sophomore in college. Excuse me, a sophomore in high school. So he's been gone for 10, 15 years now. Okay? Just because I have proof of something that happened in his past doesn't mean that he's alive anymore. You with me? How do you know you're a Christian? How do you know you're a Christian? Well, several years ago, I walked down the aisle, and I et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. and listen, that's good. That's good that you did that. But the test of Christianity is not just this past tense thing. It's this present reality. We know they weren't really born again because they're not with us anymore presently. Does that make sense? You can tell she's the real thing because she continues in the faith. How many, and how many people do you know in your school or whatever that say, oh, I'm a Christian, but they never go to church, and they haven't cracked a Bible in 15 years, right? Now, going to church and opening your Bible doesn't make you a Christian, but fruit guarantees that you're alive, this happens in church all the time. People are here in youth ministry, and they are fired up, and it is awesome, for like three weeks. And then they're gone. And then I see them in a year, and they're like, you don't remember me? And I'm like, well, I saw you for like 45 minutes a year and a half ago, so no. Like, listen, beach camp is amazing. I can't wait. I can't. We're going to get some fun stuff coming up. Collide is amazing. But the most important thing that we do is Sundays and Wednesdays. That's the most important thing that we do is Sundays and Wednesdays because that's where we can see if this is really sticking on you guys. Is Christ really keeping you guys close to him? I can't tell that at beach camp. I can't judge your walk in one week at camp where you're away from everything else and you have mandatory Bible time three times a day. Like I can't tell your walk then, but I can start to see it more when the school year kicks back in, and Sundays and Wednesdays and Sundays. And again, attendance doesn't make it anything, right? But fruit on the tree is proof that the tree is alive. So how do we apply this to our lives and then we're done? Number one, keep, keep walking forward. Keep going. In a culture that wants to pull you away with the lust of the flesh and the pride of the, and the pride of your eyes and the pride of life, keep going. But also, listen, so keep going, but also get help. Ryan, this part of my Bible that talks about gay people, I don't agree with it at all. I don't agree with it. And I can't stay in this church if that's what the Bible says. Well, then listen, let's talk about that, right? Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the things in your life that you're like, look, if the Bible says this, I just can't get on board with this. I'm just not a fan of it. Well, then let's meet and talk. We want to take steps to help you stay in the faith, right? Maybe you're, you're suffering right now. Maybe like family situation or like a bad breakup situation. Those things hurt, bro. Like maybe you're going through a tough spot. Listen, you need to meet with us and we need to get you a Dairy Queen gift card and like get you out of here for a minute. Do you know what I'm saying? Don't sleep on DQ. It's like my favorite thing to do. We need to get you the help that you need, right? We do. A lot of us come on Wednesdays, but maybe you haven't joined a church, right? Maybe you haven't joined PVN or wherever yet, right? You need to. And listen, listen. I know it's youth and like there's music and there's gaga ball and it's whatever and like I get it. But look, like, I, like your soul is at stake here, okay? Like your soul is at stake here. Like this matters. This is important. This is, this is the stuff that as you do this now will last you as you get older, okay? There's no switch that you flip as an adult to start being an adult. Like, all of us adults are still looking for that switch, right? Like, it doesn't, as you're you're young, as you continue in these habits, you keep these habits, right? So stay in it, right? Stay in it. And it's not too late for you. It's not too late for you because you're here right now. God has you right here with this weird, kind of funny, whatever, guy saying, like, hey, listen. Like, hang in here with this, right? All right. Let me pray, and then we'll be done.